0: Welcome to this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower, and enrich. I'm your host Myrna, from the Dormition of the Theotokos Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Father George Matar who will be providing a message from the Gospel according to Saint Luke, where Christ teaches the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude this week's episode with our series on the lives of the early church martyrs, as read by a member of our Archdiocese. But first, we would like to begin this week's episode with the Morning Prayer Service, or Prayers Upon Awakening.
1: O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. O God, be gracious to me, a sinner. sinner. Glory to you, our God, glory to you. O heavenly King, comforter and spirit of truth, you who are in all places and fill all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come to dwell in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O gracious one.
2: Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy mighty, holy immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Lord, cleanse us from our sins. Master, pardon our iniquities. Holy One, visit and heal our infirmities for your name's sake. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit
1: For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages.
2: Amen. As we arise from sleep, we fall down before you, O good one, and we cry to you with the hymn of the angels, O mighty one. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God, through the Theotokos, have mercy on us.
1: Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, Having raised me from bed and from sleep, O Lord, enlighten my mind and my heart, and open my lips that I may praise you, O Holy Trinity. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Theotokos, have mercy on us.
2: Both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. Suddenly the judge shall come, and the deeds of each shall be laid bare. But let us cry out with fear in the midst of the night, Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Theotokos,
1: have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. As I rise from sleep, I thank you, O Holy Trinity, for because of your great goodness and long suffering, you are not wroth with me, the slothful and sinner. Nor did you destroy me in my iniquities, but did show your wanted love for man. And when I was prostrate in despair, you did raise me to keep the morning watch and glorify your dominion. And now enlighten the eyes of my mind, open my mouth to meditate on your words and to understand your commandments, and to do your will, and to chant to you in heartfelt confession, and praise your all-holy name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen.
2: Glory be to you, O Almighty God and King, for in your divine and man-befriending providence you have deemed me, who am a sinner and unworthy, worthy to rise up from sleep and to enter your holy house. O Lord, receive the voice of my supplication as you receive that of your holy noetic powers, and be well pleased that with a pure heart and in a spirit of humility, praise be offered to you from my defiled lips, so that I, with the radiant lamp of my soul, may also become a communicant with the wise virgins and glorify you, God the Word, glorified in the Father and the Spirit. Amen. O Christ the
1: true light, who does enlighten and sanctify every man who comes into the world, let the light of your countenance be signed upon us, that in it we may behold the unapproachable light and guide our steps in the performance of your commandments by the intercessions of your All-Immaculate Mother and of all your saints. Amen. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ,
2: Son of God, have
3: mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner.
4: Chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed lavishly every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you receive your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from theirs pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father, Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brethren, this parable I have just read is known as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus begins by introducing us to two characters an extremely wealthy man and a beggar named Lazarus. This is the only parable where Jesus names any of the central characters. Jesus called the man Lazarus, the Greek version of the Hebrew name Eliazar, a name which means God is my helper. Throughout this beggar's life, he has received no care or support from anyone else but God. From our first reading of this parable, it's not entirely clear why the rich man end up in hell. Is it because he was rich in this life? We know from the gospel that even though wealth is seductive and far from always being beneficial for spiritual life, still not all the rich were condemned. In the Bible, we know examples of righteous men who were very rich. The righteous Joseph, the son of Israel controlled the vast treasures of Pharaoh. The righteous Job, blameless and God fearing, was very rich. Also the is, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were rich. Christ never said to the rich will not enter into the kingdom of God, but that man will not enter into it who trust in wealth, who think that not God but wealth Will save them. Mark ten twenty four. The rich man's fault was that he lived only for the flesh. He enjoyed earthly goods without measure and completely ignored within himself every manifestation of spiritual life. By this precisely, he also prepared for himself a bitter fate. The Apostle Paul says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man saw, that shall he also reap. For he that saw to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that saw to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Galatians 6, 7-8 Each man himself prepares for himself his portion beyond the grave. The rich man became hardened in soul to such an extent that he did not show any compassion for Lazarus who lay at his gate and whom he constantly saw. The soul of the rich man became incapable of love for his neighbor. On the other side, the Lazarus received a heavenly reward. Of course, not because of his material destitution, but because of his consciousness of his spiritual destitution. Because in this sense, he apparently listened to Moses and the prophets. Brethren, Jesus spoke often of the need to believe in him for eternal life. But he also spoke throughout the Gospels on the need for charitable works and righteous living as well. In fact, he summed up his teaching on this matter by warning us, Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall see the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Our God's will is to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, care for the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, minister to those in prison, and preach the gospel without error. In other words, we are to be the hands, the feet and the heart of Jesus and do what he would do in the midst of such human suffering. We are, after all, his body on earth, called out from among the nations to carry on his ministry to the fallen and hurting people of this world. The thing that he did during his lifetime on earth, we are to continue to do that his love may be manifested in us and through us, and that the world might know that we are his. More so, we learn from this parable that it is impossible for a man to change his condition and status after death. Life on earth is the time for repentance and righteous deeds, and life after death is for judgment and accountability. As I look at this parable, I certainly find much that I need to pay closer attention to. I'm always far more concerned with my own life and pleasure than with the real needs of others. It's easy for me to look past those in need and ignore them. When I hear of someone's great need, I may fall piously to my knees and pray, "O oh Lord, raise someone up to help that person, someone else. Lord, because you know how busy I am. Yes, it is very easy for me to be too busy, too protective of my own time, and too blind and unfeeling, just as the rich man was with poor Lazarus. This parable is important to our life and instruction. Good works of charity are necessary to our salvation. No one is saved apart from Christ, but neither can any Christian expect to ignore the needs of others and be awarded heaven strictly on the basis of this pure faith alone. We need faith in Jesus and we need to allow that faith to mature in us, leading us to works of mercy, works that show forth Christ in us, works that ultimately validate our faith and give it life. At the conclusion, I would like to read for you a small paragraph from Isaiah chapter 58 verses 6 to 11. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To lose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not? To share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like a dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer you will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always, it will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail may such living faith be found in each of us amen
0: thank you father george for that insightful sermon And now, a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our Holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment.
5: Whatever you are doing, remember that God sees all your thoughts, and then you will never sin. Saint Isaiah the Solitary.
3: The first step in the practice of the virtues is faith in Christ. Its consummation, the love of Christ. St. Thalassios the Libyan
6: The soul that is poor in spirit, is aware of its own wounds, perceives the encompassing darkness of the passions, and always calls upon the Lord for deliverance. It endures suffering and does not delight in any of the good things of this world, but seeks out only the good doctor and entrusts itself to his treatment. St. Simeon Metaphrasts. On October 31st, in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the holy apostles Stachios, Appellos, Amplius, Urban, Aristobulos, and Narcissus of the 70. The apostles, having caught souls in their discourse, cometh to God with the catch and craveth the wages. On the 31st, six apostles found their end. Starchios was a helper of Andrew I called, who made him bishop of Byzantium. He built a church in Arigropolis and governed his flock with faithfulness and zeal. After 16 years as bishop, he entered peacefully into rest in the Lord. Amplius and Urban were also fellow workers with St. Andrew and were made bishops by him, Amplius in Lydda, and Urban in Macedonia. They both died as martyrs for Christ the Lord. Narcissus was made bishop of Athens by the Apostle Philip, and Holy Pelos was bishop of Heracleon in Trachus. Aristobulos, the brother of the Apostle Barnabas, preached the Christian faith in Britain and died peacefully there. On this day, we also commemorate the martyr Epimarchos of Alexandria and new martyr Nicholas of Chios. By the intercessions of thy saints, O Christ God, have mercy upon us. Amen. The following segment is a reading from the Lives of the Saints, or Synaxarion. We have chosen to continue our collection of readings on the lives of early church martyrs, of which we are thankful to bring a selected number of edifying accounts. We hope that these Synaxarions will empower you to put on the likeness of Christ, as did these witnesses and vessels of grace.
5: On October 26th, in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the holy, glorious Demetrius, the Murgasha of Thessalonica. The great martyr Demetrius was the son of a Roman proconsul in Thessalonica. Three centuries had elapsed and Roman paganism, spiritually shattered and defeated by the multitude of martyrs and confessors of the Saviour, intensified its persecutions. The parents of Saint Demetrius were secretly Christians, and he was baptised and raised in the Christian faith in a secret church in his father's home. By the time Demetrius reached maturity and his father had died, the Emperor Galerius Maximian had ascended the throne. Maximian, confident in Demetrius' education as well as his administrative and military abilities, appointed him to his father's position as proconsul of the Thessalonica district. The main tasks of this young commander were to defend the city from barbarians and to eradicate Christianity. The Emperor's policy regarding Christians was expressed simply put to death anyone who calls on the name of Christ. The Emperor did not suspect that by appointing Demetrius he had provided a way for him to lead many people to Christ. Accepting the appointment, Demetrius returned to Thessalonica and immediately confessed and glorified our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of persecuting and executing Christians, he began to teach the Christian faith openly to the inhabitants of the city and to overthrow pagan customs and idolatry. The compiler of his life, Saint Simeon Metaphrastus, says that because of his teaching zeal, he became a second Apostle Paul for Thessalonica particularly since the Apostle to the Gentiles once founded at this city the first community of believers. The Lord also destined St. Demetrius to follow the Holy Apostle Paul as a martyr, when Maximian learned that the newly appointed proconsul was a Christian, and that he had converted many Roman subjects to Christianity, the rage of the Emperor knew no bounds. Returning from a campaign in the Black Sea region, The emperor decided to lead his army through Thessalonica, determined to massacre the Christians. Learning of this, St. Demetrius ordered his faithful servant Lupus to distribute his wealth to the poor, saying, Distribute my earthly riches among them, for we shall seek heavenly riches for ourselves. He began to pray and fast, preparing himself for martyrdom. When the emperor came into the city, he summoned Demetrius who boldly confessed himself as a Christian and denounced the falsehood and futility of Roman polytheism. Maximian gave orders to lock up the confessor in prison. An angel appeared to him, comforting and encouraging him. Meanwhile, the emperor amused himself by staging games in the circus. His champion was a German by the name of Laios. He challenged Christians to wrestle with him. On a platform built over the upturned spears of the victorious soldiers. A brave Christian named Nestor went to the prison to his advisor Demetrius and requested a blessing to fight the barbarian. With the blessing and prayers of Demetrius, Nestor prevailed over the feast German and hurled him from the platform onto the spears of the soldiers, just as the murderous pagan would have done with the Christians. The enraged commander ordered the execution of the holy martyr Nestor, And sent a guard to the prison to kill Saint Demetrius. At dawn on October 26, 306 soldiers appeared in the Saints underground prison and ran him through with lances. His faithful servant, Saint Lupus, gathered up the blood-soaked garment of Saint Demetrius and he took the Imperial Ring from his finger, a symbol of his high status, and dipped it in the blood. With the ring, And holy things sanctified by the blood of Saint Demetrius, Saint Lupus began to heal the infirm. The Emperor issued orders to arrest and kill him. The body of the great martyr Demetrius was cast out for wild animals to devour, but the Christians took it and secretly buried it in the earth. During the reign of Saint Constantine, a church was built over the grave of Saint Demetrius. A hundred years later, during the construction of a majestic new church on the old spot, the incorrupt relics of the Holy Martyr were uncovered. Since the 7th century, a miraculous flow of fragrant myrrh has been found beneath the crypt of the great Martyr Demetrius, so he is called the Myrrh Gusher. Several times, those venerating the Holy Wonderworker tried to bring his holy relics, or part of them, to Constantinople. Invariably, St. Demetrius made it clear that he would not permit anyone to remove even a portion of his relics. St. Demetrius is regarded as the protector of the young, and is also invoked by those struggling with lustful temptations. A great champion has the world found you to be when in great perils, for you did put to flight the heathen, O victorious one, as you did humble Laeus's arrogance and gave boldness to Nestor in the stadium, Thus, O great martyr Demetrius, do you entreat Christ God that we be granted great mercy. Through the intercessions of your saints, O Christ our God, have mercy upon us and save us. Amen.
0: A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to share and subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. We hope to be joined by you all again next week.